Welcome to Light for the Journey, a podcast of Russell Memorial United Methodist Church. Each week, we open the scriptures in faith that the timeless truth of God will guide us as we seek to follow in the steps of Jesus. Children often feel safest at night when they're lying under a blanket where the monsters can't see them, and they might want to carry that safety blanket around with them for those times in waking hours when something frightens them. We all just want to feel safe. This week, Pastor David Cartwright reminds us that we are always safe because we have the ultimate protection in God. As we go to our message today, let's open our hearts and minds to the truth that God would speak to us. I invite you to open your scripture to the book of 2 Kings. We'll be reading there from chapter 6. Reading beginning at verse 8. I had listed a longer reading in the uh, bulletin. I believe we're going to cut it just a little bit short. We'll read through verse 17 and stop there for, for the time being. 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning at verse 8. Hear now the word of God. Now the king of Aram was warring against Israel, and he counseled with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall shall be my camp. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Arameans are coming down there. The king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, so that he guarded himself there more than once or twice. Now the heart of the king of Aram was enraged over this thing, And he called his servants and said to them, Will you tell me which of us is for the king of Israel? One of his servants said, No, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So he said, Go and see where he is that I may send and take him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. He sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. Now when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the city. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious Father, in these moments, center our hearts and our minds around you. Give me grace to speak words of your truth, to speak them in simplicity, that you would accomplish in our midst your good and perfect will. 
For every good thing that we receive and experience now, we offer only to you the praise and the glory. In the name of Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. We've been talking in the last couple of weeks around the idea of being refreshed, that God comes to us and, and refreshes our soul and our spirits in, in a variety of ways. And I want to talk for a few minutes today about being refreshed uh, by knowing that we are guarded by God as we go through this life, that there is a God who protects his children. When I was in the seventh grade, I was bullied. I don't want you to feel sorry for me necessarily. It wasn't anything out of the uh, ordinary, you might say. <clears throat> when, when I went to school, uh, junior high was grades seven through ninth. And so for a seventh grader, some of these ninth graders were, you know, they were like giants to us. And one of these particular giants set his sights on me that he could harass and torment me for the better part of my seventh grade year. He would do things like find me in the hallway, knock my books out of my hand, push me around a little bit. Sometimes after school, because of the way that I had to walk home, part of that walk was through a little wooded area so I could get down to the street behind the school and, and finish my walk home. And sometimes he, along with his cronies, were, would be lurking down there. And, you know, I would always dread having to go through that area just with the idea that he might be there to inflict his torment upon me. Much of my mental energy during that year was spent thinking about how I could avoid him. You know, what, what pathway could I go through the hallways to get to my next class that I wouldn't run into him? Sometimes it worked. Sometimes it didn't. Now, I'm not the only kid in history who's ever been bullied, and I can look back on it now and think, yeah, you know, maybe it was a growing experience. I lived through it. Uh, it certainly wasn't as, as bad as bullying can be in school. Um, but I remember it pretty well. Uh, I remember what it felt like to fear someone who did not have your best interest in, in his mind. <clears throat> fear is no fun. And fear is exactly what Elisha's servant was feeling when he looked and saw the enemy army surrounding the town where he was. This reading from Second Kings, admittedly it's, a, it's an out-of-the-way reading. We don't hit this text very often. And it almost reads a little bit like a Frank Peretti no novel, doesn't it? You know, talking about the angels and, and the demons and all around you. Frank Peretti gets pretty vivid in his novels. But this is not fiction. This is the Word of God telling us what actually happened in the history of God's people. Elisha is the prophet representing God to Israel during this time. The Aramean army is, is that band of, of people who have come against Israel at this particular time in their history. <clears throat> the king of Aram has sought in, to, to entrap the king of Israel and his armies in a certain place, but Elisha knows what's going on. And so he's warning the king of Israel what the king of Aram and his army are up to. 
And the king of Aram is frustrated. How does he keep knowing our plans? In our modern day language, we would say, we have a leak. Someone is telling our plans to the enemy. And the king of Aram wants to know who it is. And one of his servants speaks up and says, it's not one of us. It's the prophet from Israel. He's the one who knows. He knows so much about you, he can tell you what you're saying in the privacy of your own bedroom. He's the one warning the king what you're about to do. And so the king of Aram says, okay, let's find out where the prophet is. And we'll go down and we'll lay a trap for him and we'll take him so that he can no longer warn our enemies what we're up to. And so they find out that he's in this town called Dothan, and they go down under the cover of night, and they surround the city. The servant of Elisha gets up, and he looks out, and all he sees is the enemy. You can appreciate that, can't you? When the only thing you can see is the force that is coming against you, you fail to see what else is there. Elisha says, don't worry, don't worry. Because the one who is for you is greater than the one who is against you. In other words, God has his protection in place. And then Elisha prays. Have you ever noticed how powerful it is when the prophets pray? I mean, stuff happens when the prophets pray. And Elisha prays that his servant's eyes will be open to see what's really there. And when Elisha prays, God opens his eyes, and he opens his eyes to see that the hillside all around the city is filled with angels and chariots of fire, the army of God sent to protect the people of God. I can imagine the power of looking at this little puny army of Arameans thinking they're all bad and tough, surrounded by the army of angelic warriors who have shown up to protect God's prophet and God's people. Tell me who doesn't stand a chance here. God sends his protection to guard his people. God's protection of his people is a thread that is woven all through the text of the Bible. The, the concept of God's protective presence is what enables the psalmist to in the 23rd Psalm, to write, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Help me out. For thou art with me. For thou art with me. It's, it's the, the concept that enables the psalmist to write in Psalm 125, Just as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so also God surrounds his people from this time forth and forever. Even Jerusalem became an image for the protective presence of God. This city 
lined by, surrounded by a wall, and the wall itself surrounded by the hillside set on a high place. The, the, the people looked at the city of Jerusalem and said, this is what it looks like to be protected and surrounded by God's presence. When Moses led his people, the Hebrew people, out of Egypt, and they find themselves up against the Red Sea with the Pharaoh's army closing in behind them. Moses says to his people, Do not be afraid. Behold the salvation of the Lord, which he will, will work in your presence today. And Moses held his staff over the sea, and God opened the sea that they would go through on dry land. The protective presence of God just keeps showing up over and over and over in the text of the Bible. Almost as if God is wanting to say to us, do you get it? Do you see how many times and in how many ways I show up to act on behalf of my people? My people need to know that they are protected and guarded by the power of of Almighty God. We need that message. We need to know, as followers of Jesus Christ, that that same protective presence walks with us as we journey through life. But in order to understand what that really means for us, we need to really think first about what it is that God primarily wants to protect. I feel as if I'm on really good ground here. So what I'm going to say to you, I'm going to say to you with confidence. That perhaps above everything else, what God intends to protect is His holy name. God takes very seriously the protection of His name, His reputation, how He is known in the world. Allow me to read for you from Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel 36 is a great chapter. There's some great verses in here. But the prophet writes here in verse 22, Therefore say to the... And this is God speaking to the prophet. Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you went. God says, it's not ultimately about you, it's about my name. Now he is speaking to a prophet who is going to speak to a people who have been in bondage, who have been dispersed, who have been under God's discipline. God is about to restore them. He is about to put them back in a good place. But he wants them to know that it's not ultimately about you. It's about restoring my name that you profaned by the way that you behaved in front of all the other nations. God says, it's about my name. God takes very seriously his reputation. God takes very seriously the protection of his holy name. Moses uses this in his conversation with God. You'll remember the Exodus narrative. They got into the wilderness. Moses went up on the mountain, received the commandments, brought them down to the people, made covenant with the people. You get around to, to chapter 32, and what have the people done? 
while Moses is up on the mountain talking to God, he comes down and what have they done? They made a what? They made an idol. What was it? A golden calf. They're worshiping. They're celebrating. Do you think God is happy about this? No. God is so furious that he says to Moses, I'll wipe them out. I'll start over. And Moses says to God, this is the kind of relationship Moses had that he could talk to God in this manner. Moses says to God, wait a minute. This is a paraphrase. He says, hold on a minute. He said, listen, if you wipe out the people, the Egyptians will say about you that you led the people into the wilderness with evil intent so you could just kill them there. You see what Moses is doing? Moses understands that the reputation of God is important to him. And he says, if you do this, the Egyptians will think that you did this for evil intent, which you did not do. And God reconsidered and let them live. God's reputation is of primary importance. Because God protects his name, therefore God also protects his people. The two are connected, but we just have to get that established in our minds. Because God protects his name, God also protects his people. Allow me to read to you another familiar verse. Uh, You've probably learned this or received it as a memory verse at some time from... Isaiah chapter 54, how many of you have ever heard no weapon that is formed against you will, ever, will, uh, will succeed? You've heard that? No weapon formed against you will prosper. Let me share with you the whole verse and then give you the context. Isaiah 54 verse 17, no weapon that is formed against you will prosper and every tongue that accuses you in judgment will, you will condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their vindication is from me, declares the Lord. I love that. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. That's yours also. Your heritage is God's protection. No weapon formed against you will prosper. And those who accuse you will not be able to stand. That's what God claims on your behalf. But again, what's the context of that claiming? The prophet is writing to a people who are being restored to their good graces. They've been disciplined, and now they're being restored. And God is saying to them, see, this is the way it goes. God allowed his name temporarily to be damaged, to be harmed, so that he could discipline his people. But he did not allow that to carry on forever. God is going to restore his name by restoring his people. And God says to his people, I'm going to put you back in a good place. You are going to prosper. Through your prosperity, my name will be glorified among the nations. And in your position of being restored... When those who come against you do that, they don't stand a chance because I will cause you to stand. 
God's protection of his people is ultimately a protection of his name. And I'm okay with that because God gets glory by sustaining and guarding his people. Our protection is linked with God's good name. And God does protect us. And in times when we are afraid, we do well to look to God. The popular pastor and author Max Lucado put forth a short video not too long ago. It's pretty recent. I think it was done for the Trinity Broadcasting Network. It's just about a three or more minute video about fixing your gaze on Jesus. You can find it on YouTube if you just search his name and those search words, fixing your gaze on Jesus. But he talks about how he doesn't like going to a doctor as a patient. Not many of us really do. I mean, we wouldn't just go out of our way to visit doctors, would we? We go when we have to, and that's about it. It's always a little anxiety-producing, especially if you think there's something wrong. But as he talks about it, he says, I went into the doctor's office, and he noticed all of the doctor's diplomas on the walls. The diploma that he got from the university, the diploma that he got from the residency, one diploma after another, and he said, I started to feel good. All of these credentials of the doctor on the wall tell me that he has a good potential to care for me. And then the nurse came in and handed him a paper and said, the doctor wants you to read this paper so that you can familiarize yourself with your condition. And he started reading the paper, and he started feeling less good. You see, that's when the anxiety set in. The problem that was before him, the fear that can be instilled in that. So he said, as the anxiety started to build, I had to lift my eyes once again and look up at the wall at the diplomas for some good news. You parallel that to Jesus as he does. And I really like the way he says it when he says, you need, you know, let's lift our eyes to Jesus because he has hung his diplomas throughout the universe, which he has. Amen? The power of God and his protective ability are hung all around us in creation and preserved in this wonderful word of God that we have. We can look to him to be reminded that his protection is to his people. But as I think about this, it really took me back to my seventh grade year to think maybe I really wasn't asking the right question at the time. Because the nature of God's protection to his people, it works itself out in a variety of ways. You see, I can't give you a formula to tell you in every circumstance, here's how it's going to work out. Because it works out differently from one person to the next. Let me give you a couple of examples. You all remember the narrative of Daniel, don't you? Daniel and his friends in captivity. You remember his friends Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah? 
that are known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Do you remember how they were threatened with being thrown in a fiery furnace? Their concern was not primarily being thrown in a furnace. The concern of those men primarily was their ability to stay strong in their witness to God. That is the thing above everything else that they were concerned about. I mean, they even said, I mean, you can throw us in the fiery furnace. God is able to deliver us if he wants to, but whether he does or not, it doesn't make any difference. We're going to stay strong for God. Or Daniel. When he was threatened with the potential of being thrown into the den of lions, being thrown into a den of lions was not his primary concern. Again, it was maintaining his witness as a person of God. If the lions ate him up, so be it. If they don't, fine. So I think back to my seventh grade year and I think, you know, there was a better question I could have asked myself. The question I was asking myself is simply, how can I avoid the threat? How can I avoid the harm? And that's often the question we ask ourselves whenever the bully or the harm show up in our life, isn't it? The better question may have been, how can I navigate this season of being threatened, making sure that I stay strong in my character and my witness to God? Now, I'm not saying this as a way of criticizing myself as a seventh grader. I probably did what every other seventh grader would have done. So it's not a criticism. But it's simply looking back and saying, there are better questions other than, I wonder how I can escape the harm that's in front of me. The greater concern is, how can we stay true to our witness to Jesus Christ in the world? There was a movie that came out a good number of years ago. Do you all remember Facing the Giants? Most of you probably saw it, and at least I, I imagine everybody's heard about it. It was a great movie. I want to share with you today that I think they chose the right title for that movie. I'm sure the producers and those who worked on it are glad that I consent to that. But I think they chose the right title. Facing the Giants. They could have called, called it Beating the Giants. But I don't think that was the point. You see, when you and I face hardships, the bully, the giant, the thing that threatens us, our minds usually go to, how can I beat this giant? The better question is, how can I face this giant? Facing the giant is the real critical issue. And God wants us to know that we can stand up to the giants in our lives without fear. Because in one way or another, God will deliver. And God's deliverance comes in different ways. 
If you've ever read the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, you'll know that some have different deliverance than others. The writer gets over into the chapter and says, uh, you know, all these people who through their faith, some of them were delivered out of the mouths of lions and they, were, they escaped the edge of the sword. And others through their faith, faith faced mocking and scourging and imprisonment and even death. And yet all of them were commended for their faith and all of them found favor from God. The circumstances played out differently, but God delivered every one of them. God's protection never fails. And you see, friends, we do well to remember that whether we see it or not, and usually we don't, God has given charge to his angels to walk with us through this life and to guard us. Can you imagine the power of being able to look out and to see like Elisha's servant was able to see the army of God's protective angels around you? One of your good friends, Ron Turner, has been battling COVID in the hospital for the last two weeks. I would not share this if I did not have permission. I assure you that I do. About a week ago, a little more than a week ago now, Ron was at a very critical point of his illness. There was serious concern as to whether he would pull through or not. I'm going to give you a very abbreviated version of this. There's a longer story and you do need to hear it. But it was during that time that one, at, on one occasion when there were three caregivers in the room working on Ron that he saw four people. He even asked those caregivers who the fourth person was. They said there's only three people in here. And he said, no, there's four. That fourth person said to him, I'm an angel of the Lord, and I'm here to protect you. Don't tell me that God's protection is not near. The thing is, we usually just don't have eyes to see it. If you're not facing a hardship, a giant, a bully, I'm sure you have in the past, and you probably will again. My prayer for you is that when you do, you'll be able to see and know that God surrounds you. He never leaves you. And his charge to his angels is to protect you and carry you through. And he will. Let's pray. Father, how powerful it is to know that the forces of heaven are sent on our behalf. 
There are so many things, Lord, that seem like giants to us. Sometimes it's an illness, financial difficulties. Sometimes they are the things from society, racism, oppression. Um, there are just so many things, Lord, that feel oppressive to us. And they can cause fear. But you have not given us a spirit of fear. You've given us a spirit of power and assurance. And I pray, Lord, that when we enter into those times, those seasons, when it seems like the only thing we see is the giant staring down at us, that we will be able to catch a glimpse of the power of your servants fighting on our behalf. We thank you that in Jesus that you never fail us, that you are always true to us. And we pray, God, that by your Spirit that we may walk in power and assurance all the days of our lives. For it is in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen. We're glad that you chose to spend this time with us in God's Word. You can catch our worship services online at www.rmumc.net. May the Lord grant you the light of His truth as you journey through this day.